here we are. This is Sex Love Psychedelics, and I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Bringing you psychosexual conversations that will leave you intellectually turned on and hungry for more. Hey lovers, and welcome back. Today's episode is a quickie for you to get inspired for your workday. Truthfully, I hope it sidetracks you into daydreaming and creaming about sex for the rest of the afternoon so that you can be in the very same state of productivity as me as I prepare to go on my seventh, yeah, seventh Burning Man experience. And for those of you who are going to be out there this year, 2022, I'll be teaching a workshop at Playa Alchemist at noon 30 to 2 p.m. <laughs> on Wednesday. So I better see you there. We're going to be exploring the spectrum of Eros from spiritual neo-tantra to primal BDSM. It's going to be really juicy. You're going to leave there super happy, super horny, and I'm going to unleash you out onto the playa to uh, whatever you want to do. I was going to say procreate, but I'm, <laughs> I don't know that that's what I want to do, but that's what was coming out of my mouth. So um, it's a good thing that my filter is halfway on today as we record. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't going to be with us and you're stuck here in the default world procrastinating, <laughs> or maybe, maybe you aren't. And that's the reason that we're going to be getting into today. or That's what we're going to talk about today. So recently I was on the phone with a girlfriend who had called me up and and this woman, just to give you a backstory, she gave me consent to share the story um, because it's it's really powerful, but she is incredibly connected with her own erotic power. She, the way she moves through the world is super connected with her sensuality, um, to pleasure, to to the the um, the art of seduction, I will say, <laughs> because I get wet every time I'm around her, but and I'm pretty sure everybody else does. Beyond the point, but probably is the point. <laughs> she called me in a state of distress, sharing with me that she wasn't feeling connected to her eros. And when I say eros, I'm I'm referring to our eroticism, our um, imagine, imagination as it's connected to our sexuality, you know, that, that, um, element that makes our sexuality more than just an action or a behavior or, you know, fucking around. It's like the juiciness of it. It's like the playfulness of it. It's the, the, um, yeah, expansion of just friction, friction sex. So, she shared with me that she wasn't feeling connected to that, that she was feeling um, more of a difficult time with getting herself turned on, more of a difficult time with um, coming to orgasm with her with her partner, um, having a difficult time with even drawing the attention of men uh, and being in that playful erotic space with, with other men. And as she's talking to me, She's feeling really upset by this. And of course, you know, for those of us who, and this is for everyone, for all of us who identify with one part of us ourselves and then take that on as a, as a name or as a brand or as like, this is who I am as a fixed image. That's what I'm looking for. We can fall into the trap of not of forgetting that we are dynamic creatures, that we fluctuate, 
from moment to moment, from day to day, from month to month, year to year, and even across our lifetime. Like we are always changing. We can't possibly be this one characteristic or this one quality at a fixed static state for the rest of our lives or across, even across moment to moment. Uh, But for when we identify this, and then we're very aware that it's not there and it's not there for a consistent period of time. Um, or I guess even in those times where we're like, usually I'm not like this, right? But I'm, but I'm, why am I experiencing this right now? There gives us an opportunity to become very curious about what's going on inside of our body or what's going on for our body to be in this, this state of, uh, uh, of change from what we typically identify with, which let me remind you, this is very human. This is part of the human experience. And it can give us information about what is going on so that we can support ourselves in a way that helps us to, to come back into that um, uh, right relationship with our eroticism. So there is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken and you are not stuck this way for the rest of your life. This, this is a part of you being that human. And so from her share, I asked her about what else was going on in her life right now. Um, were there any particular stressors or yeah, just really what was going on for her, for her relationship, for life, career. And she proceeded to give me a list of so many <laughs> stressors that were going on for her in her life. Like there were just, it was one after another, after another, and I, on the other end of the phone, was just nodding. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, your Eros is going to reduce. Of course, it's going to be more challenging to to step into that flirty or step into that, that space of erotic power because you are, your body is favoring right now more of a survival state than it is a procreative state. So just by that line right there, of course, it's going to be, uh, less of a priority to be in access with your with your sexual energy. I then shared with her the story of my more recent experiences. So for those of you who've been following me on Instagram, um, you've been reading my newsletters. If you aren't a part of my newsletter, that's where I share a lot more personal experiences about what's going on in my life and lessons that are happening uh, because I believe that it's really important to normalize these experiences. I am a doctor. <laughs> you know, I d- identify as a sex expert and somebody who's also deeply connected with her body and with her eroticism. And during the month of June, I had such a difficult time. I, you know, I start, had COVID on June 1st and then my dad passed away a couple weeks after that. So I was battling the experience of, you know, the depression as it, uh, as it came from the COVID, the foggy brain, the inflammation in the body, the stress, the grief, the, the everything having to pause and, and just focus on what was going on in front of me, which was, you know, family connection and grieving. And there were multiple times where I felt such an absence of my own eroticism. And there were multiple times where I tried to connect with my sexual energy and I 
I just started bawling because I just could not. And I was just like, what is going on with me? I mean, obviously, when I was able to zoom out and look at the bigger picture, you know, finding a lot of compassion for myself and realizing right now, this is where I'm at. This is the stage that I need to be at. And I'm going to be, I'm going to have less uh, sex hormones available. I'm going to have less resources available for that type of uh, presence. And right now, all of my energy needs to be drawn towards grieving, connecting and healing my body. That doesn't mean that I can't still be an erotic woman or that I can't be a a sex expert. (laughs) If I take a pause out of that, that makes me a very uh, permissible, I mean, (laughs) self-permissible human uh, and compassionate human that allows for the very real natural dynamic uh, dynamicism of, of what it means to be on this earth. And so I say that to help us to de-shame this concept around um, like when we do lose connection with our eroticism or that that inner fire that doesn't have to be, you know, we don't need to hold ourselves at such high um, superhuman expectations to that it has to be there all the time um, in order us, for us to, to be erotic. When we consider this concept, we can, we can, even map out stages in which we can fluctuate between throughout our lifetime. And these stages of our uh, eroticism or erotic expression can move from um, resting to healing, to curious, to adventurous, and to transformative or transcendent. At any one time, we can be in one of these stages. Uh, sex researcher Jaya helped to organize these, and I love the way that she she organizes uh, systems. I like my little brain loves systems, <laughs> and it can really create a sense of validation for ourselves, as well as an understanding of our partner. Should our partner be in another stage that we aren't? So this can reduce even the pressure that we can put on ourselves or onto our partner to be in a different stage than they are and and actually help us to see what we need to do first in order to, if we're even going to consider moving beyond that stage that we're in. So taking these one by one, the first stage is resting. So resting is for whatever reason you're choosing not to have or engage in sexual activity. And that can be sexual activity with yourself. That can be sexual activity with another person. And you may be in this stage because you've never experienced uh, sex before or self-pleasure before, uh, masturbation before, or maybe you are just consciously choosing to not engage in that way. that may be consciously uh, refraining from masturbation or sex, um, taking a sex hiatus or or um, celibacy. And perhaps you're craving sexual connection. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's just not there. Um, maybe you're in a sexless marriage. I've done an episode, a podcast episode on sexless marriages. So, so check that out if you haven't. Uh, and that's where you're at. And maybe it's just not on your list of priorities that you want to engage in right now. It's okay. But creating that conscious awareness around this can help you to be able to, uh, yeah, find more compassion with yourself 
And when you are ready to move forward, you can. Second stage is healing. So healing stage can occur when you are uh, needing the space to, to yeah, heal or um, overcome sexual obstacles or to really understand why your body may be responding the way it's responding. Um, anything that's keeping you from having a great sexual experience or sexual uh, desire. So this can be perhaps uh, postpartum. So maybe you just had a baby. Um, maybe you're going through a breakup. <laughs> maybe you are uh, healing from PTSD related to sexual abuse or otherwise, um, maybe uh, chronic illness or cancer, um, or even gut dysbiosis, which <laughs> I have plenty of experience around, <laughs> as well as autoimmune. So it, you got to heal that <laughs> in order for you to feel those higher states of, of wanting desire. And this is really where she was at. She was in this state of healing. And I was in this state of healing back in June. Um, and for me to try to force myself or expect myself to be any state other than healing was not honoring what my body actually needed. I needed a break. <laughs> and I'll explain to you what you can do about that so that you don't just completely f drop your body awareness and sensuality to the side, but we'll get into that for a moment in a moment. Third stage is curiosity. So in this stage, you want to learn more about your sexuality. Uh, you are curious about how to make it better, how to expand your eroticism, how to uh, learn about who you can be more in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom. Um, this is where you may be consuming podcasts like mine, <laughs> or you may be reading articles, you may be looking up toys, you may be researching about uh, sexual activities that you've seen before. Maybe you're reading Cosmopolitan, I don't know, <laughs> checking out different sex positions. And maybe you're checking out one of my uh, one of my courses, Sexually Awaken, uh, Sensual Awakening or Erotically Undone to, because that just is piquing your interest and you really enjoy the way that I conceptualize. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right, the fourth stage is adventurous. So this is when you actually give yourself permission to take action in these curiosities, in the things that you've been learning about or uh, been contemplating or decreaming about. <laughs> so you're actively exploring your sexuality. You're stepping out of your box and you are implementing. So you're buying the toy or you're you're signing up for the course or you're going to a kink workshop or a shibari workshop. You are pressing the edges of what you've known yourself to be to see who what you like. You know, in curiosity stage, we are learning how to answer the question, what do I want? Adventurous is finding the confirmation around what do I want? Um, so that is through the application of it. The last stage is transformative or transcendent. So this stage happens when you are engaging in sex and you're looking for something more, something beyond you might be looking to um, find self-actualization or self-realization in it. Um, you may be using sex as a form of spiritual expression or sex magic as a way of manifestation. Uh, you might be looking to reach altered states of consciousness or to experience God in sex or 
um, deep depth of meditation or sex as prayer. Uh, you might be signing up for courses around neo tantraism. Um, you might also be exploring workshops around BDSM uh, or kink, uh, looking for something that induces high states of ecstasy or or ritual for your experience. So that's where sex becomes more than just friction. This is like the ultimate eros. This is the ultimate eroticism. Like what can this be? What's the meaning? What meaning can I make from it? So as I'm reading those, really tune into yourself and, and identify where you're at. See where you're at, what most resonates with you. And then if you have a lover or a partner or partners, where are they at? You know, just by your reflection, can you identify where they might be at? Because this may be an answer to, to your, if you're feeling stuck or frozen in your experience with them. Um, so often when couples have a, a mismatch of libido, I ask them this question here to start because then it can reveal to them, oh, I've been trying to get her to go to the sex party with me forever. And it's not that she doesn't want to, it's that she still has to heal from this PCOS diagnosis that she was given a couple of months ago. Like, Whatever that might be, you know, if there's resistance, there's information. Resistance doesn't have to be a bad thing. I, I don't think that it's a necessarily about willingness. I think we get to be curious about what is the resistance trying to tell us? What is resistance trying to protect us from? What is resistance uh, want us to understand about ourselves or about a part of us that may be, uh, that may have originated from an earlier time. So before you tell your partner that they are an asshole shithead for not wanting to, <laughs> to explore sexuality with you, let's, let's see what might be going on there. What might be putting on the brakes? In response to the girlfriend who gave me a call at the beginning of this episode, she, like I said, was in the healing stage. And I explained to her that it is very difficult to produce both sex hormones and stress hormones at the same time. It's not that you don't have sex hormones available to you when you're under a lot of stress, but the, the precursors, the four hormone production may be inhibited to favor the production of cortisol, which cortisol is a stress hormone that we actually really need to be able to help us to navigate the effects of stress on our body. We all know that stress is, you know, it, it affects our mood, our fertility, our sleep, our metabolism. It affects all of the body, uh, body functioning. And, and of course, stress is a, a part of that complex symphony of chemical signals that are being orchestrated in, in our body at any given time. Everything feeds off of each other. Everything supports one another. Um, stress all really has an impact on uh, on reduced levels of uh, availability of DHEA, which is a precursor to testosterone. Um, it can also, which which has a lot of impact on our sex, uh, sexual desire, on our uh, fertility. Similarly, when we're also in high, higher uh, 
or favoring the production of cortisol, this also impacts our level of progesterone, um, which also impacts our level of estrogen. And we can end up in estrogen dominance, um, which estrogen dominance is one of the main symptoms of, uh, you know, for PMS, tender breasts, endometriosis in some cases, um, fertility troubles. Uh, so I say all of this to to really help you to zoom out to see that it's not a it's not about you being a non-sexual or non-erotic person, um, or you are, <laughs> or you have a high sex drive, or you have a low sex drive. It's way more complex than that. And in this particular uh, in this particular episode, I'm talking to you about the health aspect, the the physiological aspect of that. And for a big reason so that you can have compassion for yourself and then empower yourself to be able to do something about that. And, you know, whether it's talking with your doctor or your OBGYN, um, but even on the level of being at home, validating your body, validating what stage that it's at and really what it needs here as the first step in being able to move beyond that stage, in this case, the the healing stage or the stress, the stage that you're in a lot of stress. So nourishing your pleasure and your eroticism can be one of those those steps that you do to be able to help you to move out of that healing stage. Of course, you're gonna work with your doctor or um, your therapist, you know, if you've had uh, trauma, PTSD, that also might be causing you know, high states of cortisol to being pumped out into your into your body because your nervous system can't relax. Um, that was happening to me. That bleh, was happening to me for such a long time, and that was contributing to a lot of the autoimmune um, and gut issues that I was experiencing. So, working with a trauma informed um, therapist, uh, working with an IFS therapist, that's intrafamily systems therapist, um, working with a somatic therapist. EMDR, all of those are really powerful modalities for for that. So as it relates to yourself, how are you going to help to nourish your eroticism? And I I specifically use that word nourish because I, I liken it to our diet, you know, our food diet. You eat nourishing foods to help your body sustain healthy energy levels and and, um, operations functioning. So we wanna do the same thing for eroticism. It's not, we can't just assume that eroticism is there or it's not. (laughs) We also can't assume that our eroticism is only sparked when somebody else of interest is around or when we have a crush. And this is such a pet peeve of mine. Sometimes when when I hear from individuals who get stuck in that pattern of seeking men or women, or non-binary who just get them super hot and turned on, but aren't healthy for them. So uh, trauma bonding <laughs> or the bad boy syndrome, you know, we're, we're uh, fixated on this other person that is activates this like charge inside of us. You aren't taking accountability. You aren't taking responsibility for your own eroticism you're essentially taking the lazy way out to get turned on. And this gives me, this puts all the red flashers on for me. And it's telling me that you're not actually doing the work for yourself. You, we can uh, get turned on by somebody else who's turned on and be inspired by that. Yeah, they're like our muse, but 
that's also outsourcing your own ability to to turn yourself on. So you can get turned on and you can be erotic yourself. You don't have to wait for that other person to to do that work for you. It's just going to take work. So 2020, it was the beginning of 2020, right before the pandemic, I had started this practice of writing erotic stories. And I, they were like five, 10 minutes long. And I, every morning I would sit and I would turn on really sexy music and I would write and I would end up in such a fantastical landscape in my own mind and my whole body would just get turned on. I started doing this uh, when at coffee shops, I would do it when I was flying on the airplane and I would just imagine that I was turning everybody else on because of course I, my energy is really palpable and I'm sure other people were feeling their lady boners and, um, dude boners, um, and didn't know where it was coming from. It was coming from me. You're welcome. But these stories then turned into me recording them. Um, I also get really turned on by my own voice and maybe you do too, (laughs) but I started performing them and turning them into what is now today, erotically wasted podcast. So this intention was to originally nourish my eros, to nourish my eroticism. Um, This was a way for me to connect with that sexual energy, connect with my fantasy and my imagination, and let myself get turned on with words and story. I also have a regular practice, whether it's daily or every other day of some sort of self-pleasure practice. This might be an affectionate breast massage um, for myself, or it might be pussy play, it might be a J-Day practice, or it might be a full-on self-love making session. (laughs) And sometimes it's not anything that's erotic in nature, but it's just something that is affectionate or it's something that is sensual. Sensual is meaning something that connects me with the pleasure of the world through my five senses. Uh, I did an episode here on, on the podcast called sensuality versus sexuality. So if you are confused about the difference between sensuality and sexuality, highly, highly recommend that episode. I really dive into the difference. And I think that's really important. So during these times where I'm in a healing stage or a resting stage, I may not want to connect with my uh, sexual energy, or I might have a difficult time with connecting with the sexual energy. And so in those times, it's like lighting my candles in my room, or it's putting lotion on after I get out of the shower, or it's um, dancing to music, even if I'm just like really heavy in the body. It's like more ambient uh, meditative music, and I just allow my body to roll around or to flow, or, or I'm doing yoga. Yoga is another really powerful way to open the body, to get blood circulation moving, to get energy moving through the body and to get you to be deeply connected with it. So I say all this with, you can move out of that healing stage um, through, through regular practices of eroticism. And again, you can be really creative with what that looks like or with practices of sensuality. And that actually is what inspired my sensual awakening 14 day program. 
It's got all of my personal sensual practices that I do with myself, as well as the practices that I give to my own therapy clients. It's uh, backed by science. So there's plenty of things in there that talks about the nervous system and why the nervous system is responding the way that we do. It's very trauma-informed. So if you are in the stage of healing or in the stage of resting, like this will help you understand yourself way better than, uh, than otherwise. Or if you, you know, or just you trying to force yourself to be something or to be in a space that you're just not, you're not ready for eroticism, this is the exact program that you need. So I hope that helps to alleviate the stress from your own self and give you a little more breathing space, <laughs> truthfully, to help you to be able to uh, come back and right relationship with your eroticism and your sexuality. Because your pleasure is so important. Your pleasure not only benefits you and your health, but it also helps to, to benefit everyone around you. And, you know, if you're not producing sex hormones because you're under a lot of stress, Let's reverse that and and focus on on uh, on producing the sex hormones, reducing the stress, and that's way easier said than done. I say that with a lot of love. I fucking hate it when people are like, oh, "Just reduce your stress," or in like all the fucking web MD or doctor visits are like, "Oh, you need to just reduce your stress." I'm like, "Fuck you, thank you, Mister Obvious, Doctor Obvious." And, and yet, if we focus on lifestyle, this is a great play way to start that foundation. Well, that was fun. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. And if you want to experience more ecstasy and sexual liberation, head over to sexlovepsychedelics.com and learn about how you can join me for any one of my online or live events. And while you're there, grab my free guide on sex and psychedelics. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider and local law before pursuing any of the products or psychedelics discussed. And one final note here, I make this show specifically for you. If you're loving the show, then be sure to leave me a review in iTunes or Spotify to let me know. Happy to be here and happy to serve. I'll see you next time on Sex Love Psychedelics.